Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin. Let's begin. I'm excited to have Mark Jensen here with us today. And joining me on the podcast is Les Parker. And we're going to be talking to Mark about some of his plans to grow his business. It's something a lot of company leaders, CEOs, are looking to do. So, Les, good to have you on the podcast here with me, friend. Well, thank you, Dave. It's great to be with you, and it's really exciting to have Mark Jansen with us, who's the CEO of Town Mortgage Company up in Michigan. And they want to be a company that really leaves even a greater mark than another big company that's up in uh, the Detroit area that they want to rival. And I think there's ways that they want to accomplish that through processes, through technology, through organic growth, through mergers and acquisitions. But Dave, I thought we would like to kind of hear from Mark in terms of how he describes his company and kind of how they're moving forward and in this market that seems to have a lot of consolidation going on. Yeah. Mark, talk about some of your plans and strategies. Well, uh, Les, David, uh, glad to be on. So, you know, I I came into the company last December. Uh, Fun time to join a company, join a company that was struggling a little bit. And honestly, the first task that I had was really to kind of assess the management and leadership strengths. And when you're looking at growing, right, you need strong managers, uh, strong, knowledgeable leadership. And the good news, quite frankly, was, you know, our operations, our risk, our secondary groups were led by, you know, very strong, seasoned industry executives. So that was a plus, right? The foundation for growing, obviously, operations, one of the key foundations. The negative was sales, you know, was a different story. And right off the bat, we, we needed to look at making wholesale changes in the sales area, and, and no pun intended there. And what we've done to date is from an organic standpoint, we've essentially eliminated, I mean, we eliminated uh, all sales leadership back in January. And we've hired a a national sales leader, John Korch, who comes with 30 years of diversified experience in business sales and operations and secondary and finance. More recently, uh, Mark Zirat, who heads our TPO sales effort. Also, Mark, uh, over 30 years experience, but his experience focused on the third-party origination business. And also uh, Bev Abiantun as a leader, a Midwest Regional Director in TPO. And again, another individual who comes with uh, 30 plus years of sales experience in, in the mortgage world. So from a reset the page organic standpoint, you know, several additions to the, the senior management team and uh, actually several additions uh, at the mid-level management team to strengthen the bench to date. 
A lot of people are looking at their executive teams and they're looking at, does the team I have or the team that we have currently here help us get to our goals and objectives? Talk a little bit about the process about assessing the previous team and why you had to make the changes that you did. So in assessing the previous team, just taking a look at how, honestly, they were blocking and tackling. So, um, you know, the blocking and tackling in operations, what did the processes look like? Were the processes working? Look at average turn times, look at throughput, look at loans underwritten per underwriter and what their metrics looked like and, and using, you know, other companies to a large degree in terms of benchmarking that. So a lot, a lot of looking at the processes that each of these areas had in place, the secondary, the same thing, and was it working and how did it compare to what I was used to in my past lives and what the industry was looking at, you know, today. Are you seeing in the current climate that there is a shift in what is going to be successful as executive today as far as what was in the past? Obviously, you recognize the need for change there, but you've had many years in the business. You've worked for some very large companies, been very successful in the industry. Talk about the change that's necessary as companies need to grow. What are things that other CEOs need to consider? Well, you know, first and foremost, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, even, even 10, 15 years ago, everybody worked in the office that housed operations together. And, you know, times have changed. So dealing with how to manage remote workforces in terms of getting the quality production, getting those groups to work as a team, despite the fact that they may not be in the office every day. That's, I think, a critical component in our industry today. There seems to be a new virtual reality, Mark, in the way companies are going. Talk about that and what you're recognizing and the reason you're taking town mortgage company in a different direction. To the extent that you're not offering virtual to your employees, it is very difficult in today's environment to get those key experienced, successful leaders to join your organization because they can find somewhere else to work that will offer them virtual. So, what you know what i've seen the, the last several years more so in the last year than anything are employees that you want to hire right successful people people that know what they're doing are grounded in the industry wanting to work for you if they can't at least work remote some portion of the week so we're seeing it more and more i would say every every single person we've interviewed for a position in the last several months has asked that question do you allow remote work i love the concept of remote working obviously it's something that a lot of us do. Les and I both work on a remote basis, and I think it's something that more and more companies are finding a value. First of all, from a cost standpoint, it reduces cost, and like you said, you can hire more people with greater skills and are willing to join your company if they do not have to relocate. I think that's a real key. What are some other trends that you're seeing in the industry today, Mark, that are different than what was in the past? So I think history repeats itself to some degree. What I've seen and what I expect to continue seeing is a shift towards the, the broker world, the wholesale world. We saw it, you know, back in the late 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and then that world was, you know, kind of decimated by the credit crunch. But we're seeing it again. It's a competitive opportunity, to be honest with you, from my standpoint. 
Well, I think it's so critical. That pendulum swings, and it has several times over my 46-year career in the industry. And we're watching it definitely come in. So talk about your strategy of mixing in a wholesale strategy and how you're accommodating that. I think that's really interesting. Right. So town, you know, has served all channels that when I walked into the door, it was retail, it was consumer direct, it was wholesale, it was mini core and correspondent. Predominantly, you know, serving all of those channels focused on the credit union and and financial institution space. But we took a hard look at what was going on in the industry. And our initial objective was to build the, the wholesale space and focus on the TPO space, primarily from, from our standpoint, the way we were built operationally, it was the easiest thing for us to lever quickly. So as if people are considering uh, your company, are you seeing the desire to grow just exclusively wholesale, or what are some of the other channels that you're going to be focusing on? We'd love to grow retail. Retail, you know, the market is what it is, right? Uh, retail branch managers, retail organizations, loan officers are making a lot of money today. Their pipelines are full. So, again, easier to get into TPO quickly, we felt. And retail, we're looking at today opportunistically. I'd love to find a retail organization, retail company that we could assimilate into our own organization. But our our focus is not just TPO, not just wholesale. The focus is retail, but we're being patient. We're looking for the right opportunity and the right people and the right timing. Well, you hit some real key points, right people, right timing. Let's start with the people part of it, Mark. When you consider the right fit for Town Mortgage Company, how would you frame that up? What is a right fit, the right people? So I don't know if uh, you might chuckle at this answer, but in terms of a leader on the retail side, you know, a lot of things go into being a good retail leader, right? Work ethic, dedication, all of those things. But one thing I point to is what I've called in the past the, uh, the beer test. Can I sit down? Can I talk with them over a beer? Are they friendly? Are they personable? Are they going to fit into the culture? Those types of things. So I look a lot at the person in addition to you know, what they've done in, in the business, quite frankly. So how important is their past and their knowledge of the industry versus that finding someone that has the quote-unquote the right fit? Well, it's important. So from a retail perspective, you know, volume, critical, right? Are they producing? What does their compensation look like? Does it make sense? Does it fit from a a comparison standpoint, peer? Does it fit in terms of our pricing? All of those things are very important, right? They, um, They need to be a producer, but at the end of the day, They need to fit culturally into who we are also. You talked a little bit earlier about timing. What are you seeing as good timing for companies? I'm looking at the age of the industry. There's some people aging out, so there's people wanting to exit, so that creates opportunities for growing companies like yourselves. But there's also new people coming into the industry. Do you prefer one over the other, or do you have a plan and a strategy to accommodate both? I don't prefer one over the other. I actually prefer a mix. So the successful retail groups that I've managed in the past have exactly that. Have a mix of older experienced loan officers, potentially a branch manager, older, but also complemented with younger people that they're developing, that they've been successful developing. So really looking for, you know, the the perfect branch would be a branch that has a mix of old and new, someone with a lot of experience, but also those folks that can 
help bring younger originators into the business with their knowledge. Let's talk a little bit about geographic markets. What geographical markets are you preferring over others, or are you nationwide? We're nationwide today. However, having said that, we're Midwest and Southeast-centric. I have no preference over market, to be quite honest with you, to the extent we can find successful people doing business in markets where we can make our target margins, I'm good. We pretty much blanket the U.S. We're not in every state. We're in 43 states from an origination standpoint. Mark, you've mentioned a few times that you have a business model. It sounds like you have discipline around margins. Tell me about margins and how you have determined what those will be and how disciplined are you to maintaining those margins? You know, sometimes you're um, at the mercy of what's going on in the market and your target margin you know, may not be the margin you're making. So what we try to do is we try to position ourselves from a, from a pricing standpoint, from a margin standpoint, to be somewhere in the, in the 10, 8 to 15, 10-ish range in terms of competitiveness. So competitive, you know, very competitive, not at the top, and then we let our operations, our service do the talking after that. Let's talk a bit about service and what drives it. We're seeing a lot of focus on technology, as well as the importance of a process. How do you balance those two? So the focus clearly on technology, and, and it has been in this industry for quite some time. I think it can go a lot further. But we try at every step to link our process with the technology we've got available, and then to take a look at processes that we could improve that may have a technology D-link, for lack of a better word, and look and see if we can improve the technology, adjust the technology to fit what we're looking at in terms of our new process. Do the technologies that you are selecting and employing applicable to both the wholesale and retail, or are they somewhat exclusive to the channels that you're originating through? Uh, the technology that we employ today is, I'll, I'll you know, give a throwdown for Encompass, right? Uh, there's a pitch. I should get paid for that. But we employ, <laughs> we employ Encompass, and it serves all of the channels. And we've tweaked Encompass in our own ways to deal with nuances in the wholesale world or in the retail world or in the uh, mini core and core world. So, but, but Encompass is our base technology. Mark, you have a number of channels. What are some of the things that you'd want our listeners to know or people that are considering joining you to know about each one of the channels? Well, there are a couple of things. We service all channels, and it's almost a a default because we really have focused in the past, and we plan on continuing on focusing on credit unions and small financial institutions. So we, we do business with these companies from a retail standpoint. They're originating the loans. From a retail standpoint where we have loan officers in their offices originating the loans, from a consumer direct standpoint where they don't, they don't, they're too small, they don't have staff, and we utilize our consumer direct channel for them to originate loans in. And if they have originators and they have backroom, they originate on a wholesale basis or a mini core basis or a correspondent basis. And our pledge to them is that we won't sell to an aggregator. We are a Fannie Freddie Ginny seller servicer, and we sell their loans only to Fannie Freddie Ginny, and we service their loans for life. So uh, it's a customer for life thing, I guess uh, you could call it. I like that. Customer life. Les, question? Yes. 
Mark, I find it fascinating how you have carved a niche in the TPO space to service community banks and credit unions. And in doing that, that is a different culture than the classic non-financial originator. Can you kind of talk about the cultural differences? What type of culture do you develop within your organization in reaching out to those companies with a different culture? So it's stickier, but it's also more difficult to break through. If a credit union or a financial institution is so small that they're not doing loans, the biggest challenge is convincing them why it makes sense for them to service their customers from a mortgage standpoint and show them what they could make in addition to what they're making on their day-to-day business. And I also say it's a challenge because these institutions, to get approved, it's, it's a process, right? It's a process in terms of meeting with management, but it's also a process in terms of them getting in front of their board and getting the approval process going down the path. So it's a, it's a more elongated sales process, but at the end of the day, those customers are stickier. They're committed to doing business with you and only you. So it's a little bit different than the broker relationship from that standpoint. You also have a different culture in how you reach out on TPO versus having a retail organization. With a retail organization, we see that the recent numbers from MBA have been really strong applications, and refi has been different. Can you kind of compare and contrast refi and purchase and the cultural difference of TPO serving community banks and credit unions versus a retail organization, you being a non-financial? Yeah, so our, you know, this year, our refi percentage, when you compare it to industry, falls, you know, well short. We're running less than 50% refinance. And part of that is attributable to what you just mentioned, who we're doing business with today. The fact that we don't have much of a traditional retail group the fact that we have a fairly small consumer direct group and that the bulk of our business is coming from smaller financial institutions. So it's, you know, it's affected our mix in that way, which I'm not complaining about, but has driven the purchase business to be a far greater percentage and continues to be a, a greater percentage than our refi percentage today. Let's talk about once you've identified someone that you're interested in having a relationship, either acquiring them or employing them, what is the process you go through, Mark? Well, employing is a good question, and what I've focused on in the past and and what we're focusing on today is, you know, I've been around a long time, not quite as long as you, David, but just knowing a lot of folks in the industry who are strong, successful, who, again, fit fit into the culture, and going after those individuals. So that's what we've spent, you know, a fair amount of the year doing is trying to recruit those individuals that have worked either with us or side-by-side or that we know very well in the industry who are good and successful and have a following and going after them. And let me add that it's a lot easier, well, if they like you, it's a lot easier than trying to recruit someone who knows nothing about you or possibly the organization that you're running. Yeah, familiarity and and having some form of relationship would clearly be an advantage, but certainly you are looking beyond your network to attract other people. Is that correct? We are, yes. So let's now contrast hiring someone versus acquiring some companies through mergers and acquisitions. What are the targets you're specifically looking at? Who's a good fit for you? Oh, a good fit. So we would, 
you know, not, not to say we wouldn't be interested in, in an organization that, that focuses on TPO because we, we would. But our interest primarily is on a retail organization or someone who focuses more on retail. It's a hole that we have yet to fill. We need retail, strong retail leadership, uh, which we don't have, and we need a, a strong retail organization. So in terms of what that looks like, uh, again, like I said earlier, it's someone who is pricing similar to how we're pricing. When, when you bring over a group, you don't want the assimilation to be disruptive. So from a retail standpoint, we're kind of a whiteboard in terms of we don't have a traditional retail, retail organization. And as long as that organization from a metric standpoint fits in the range of what we're looking at in terms of profitability um, and has strong management, that's really what would attract us. When you're looking at the process of actually bringing them on, talk about that. There's an initial interest, and then from there, how do you take them through that process, and what is the typical time frame for that? A uh, typical time frame, you know, in, in my experience, is very greatly. I would hope from beginning to end that an understanding of the business and a commitment on either side can be you know, locked down in, in two to three months. And then following that is, is the integration, right? The doing the deal and the integration. The key thing in terms of getting someone to understand us and, and wanting to be a part of town mortgage would really be meeting all of the key people, uh, understanding what our processes were, if they worked, if they fit the processes that the group was coming from, or if they were better than the process, processes that the group was coming from. But I think that's very important, is taking a look at what our process is, uh, life of the loan, we call it, and you know, getting the target to understand that and let us know if that fits within what they're doing. It's important not only for them to understand our processes, but for us to understand where they're coming from. And to the extent we can make tweaks to that, that improve the overall process, that's, that's extremely important. Integrating their process, your processes, and then their culture with yours, how do you go about that? We've watched many mergers and acquisitions fail afterwards because not enough time and attention was dedicated to those areas. I've been a part of failures and successes. <laughs> so I, I hope I learned from my past experience. If we're looking at a retail organization, uh, like I said, we're a whiteboard to the extent and going back to the uh, culture, to the extent that uh, really the senior leaders fit culturally, I think that's the most important thing. Um, and to yeah. the extent that the individuals, the branch managers, the loan officers follow those senior leaders, that's extremely important. Mark, when you're looking to expand an organization and grow an organization, you're doing it organically and also through acquisitions. What about the servicing side and growing servicing? What is your approach to uh, mortgage servicing, and how do you look at it when evaluating a candidate if you're looking at a, uh, an acquisition? And also, what type of targets do you have long-term for the size of a servicing portfolio? Yeah, well, in the past, town has accumulated servicing, but they've limited their accumulation of servicing to loans originated through the credit union and financial institution space. Uh, since I've been there, we've increased that retention. So we're, today we're retaining approximately 70, 75% of 
of what we originate. We're not retaining jumbos. Uh, we're not retaining uh, non-QM uh, stuff and a few other things. But our focus is to retain, I mean, we, we best X some things, but our focus is to try to retain as much as possible, particularly since we're, you know, we're now growing in the TPO space. And, you know, our strategy, if you will, is to employ the same tactics around customer for life in the TPO space that we've employed with our credit unions and financial institutions. So our plan is to grow servicing. We have a strong financial backer. We can grow, we can double our servicing today, which is about 3.5 billion, you know, without anything. But we have a strong financial backer in uh, Monroe Capital out of Chicago who agrees with us um, in terms of what the strategy is and, and how we grow our TPO business. That was my follow-up question concerning a servicing portfolio. The new world of mortgage banking is evolving into a very capital-intense business that it historically has not been. You mentioned about wholesale growing. Part of that's because the origination function itself can be somewhat low capital-intensive. But this building a servicing portfolio having the right type of products and the different products mix, and having a long-term sustainability so you can have a customer for life requires capital. Could you expound upon that a little bit and your relationship with Monroe and how that works? Yeah, no doubt it requires capital. And, you know, with what – every time we get to a low point in interest rates, uh, we get to a lower point, right? And uh, that capital erodes. So, pardon. Yeah. Right. So are we going to zero, right? But to your point, the origination side, especially TPO, far less capital. And so the strategy customer for life is, a, is also a play on, you know, as servicing runs off, the play is to get that customer back on the origination side. And we're doing that today with credit unions and financial institutions. The question is, how successful will we be uh, in the TPO space, in the traditional TPO space? And yeah, you mentioned Monroe or our backer. So Monroe uh, invested in town oh, approximately 2014. And town, I would say, I mean, I'll be kind, was not a success story from 14 through the end of 18. And uh, despite that, the, the financial backer Monroe uh, stayed behind town, uh, stayed behind the vision, which was a combination of uh, the play with financial institutions and credit unions and growing the servicing portfolio. I came on board in December. Like I said, uh, took a hard look at the business. We had many meetings with, uh, with the backer Monroe in terms of where we thought we could take the business, where we thought uh, we needed their expertise, where we thought, uh, when we thought we might need capital. And they've completely bought into our strategy in terms of building TPO sooner rather than later. Uh, being opportunistic on the retail side, looking for acquisitions that, that made sense, that were accretive, and building the servicing portfolio up from where we were building it prior to my arrival. Mark, we've talked a lot about your strategy. We talked about where you're going, your financial backing, all very strong points. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you think is really important that are listening to this podcast that are considering making a move uh, you'd want them to know? You know, we haven't talked about the team a whole lot. Uh, you know, I talked a little bit about replacements and some things that we did in terms of improving the team, adding to the team. 
But I would say probably the thing that I look back and I, I say I'm most proud of is the, the existing team that was in place. And, and so they went through a lot of unsuccessful years. But the existing team that was in place combined with the folks I brought on board is extremely cohesive. They're all focusing, they all focus and they're all working in the same direction, which is, I mean, so important if you're going to be successful. It's, it's uh, so I'm a Michigan guy, right? And I'll say the team, the team, the team. But, yes. you know, I mean it. The, the team there is probably the best team I've been associated with in, you know, my 38 or 39 years in the business, to be honest. That's good. Well, it's all about a team. You have the right people. It's like the book that Collins wrote, get all the right people on the bus, get all the right people off the bus, and you have a, a winning formula. And I think that's what you've done here. I'm very excited to have our listeners get a hold of you. What's the best way for people to reach you if they're wanting to learn more about Town Mortgage Company? They can go to the website. Uh, they can get a hold of me at mjansen at townmortgage.com. Either of those courses of action are perfect. Perfect. Les, thanks for joining in on this interview. Mark, thank you for taking time to share with us your vision and uh, what's going on, the exciting things that are developing there at Town Mortgage Company. Appreciate you being here with us. Yeah, thank you guys, too. I appreciate your time. It's always fun to listen to what's going on with specific lenders. Appreciate Mark coming on and being a part of the podcast today. Next week, we're going to be having a returning guest from May 6, 2019, in our Hot Topic interview. And he's going to be back, Barrett Burns of Vantage Score. There's been some exciting developments in the world of mortgage credit, and you won't want to miss out on next week's podcast. Be sure to come back and tell others about it. Share this podcast link to your fellow associates. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Black Knight, Open Mortgage, Finastra, the MBA, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, the CMLA, as well as Velma, Knowledge Coop, Vidyard, and AI Assist. Folks, thanks so much for taking time to listen to this week's podcast. Again, share it with others, and have a great Thanksgiving. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.